Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Hearts Club podcast. This episode was recorded while my podcast was still called GSOH. Don't be confused, you're in the right place. GSOH. Good sense of humor. The podcast by Nico by Nico to by Nico Tatarovich, where he sh- tries with talks to people with talks to people with a good sense of humour. G S O H. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's have it fucking right, yeah. It's G S O H with me, Nicole, back from the doldrums, back from my holiday in Brighton, fucking chilling out after I felt proper stressed and fucking down. And I went down there and had a fucking cracking time and saw loads of cool fucking people and that. And I have come back a partially restored man. It's not as simple, is it, as having a week off? I'd like two months off. But it did me the world of good being away. So I just want to say thank you guys for understanding that I needed a little gap in recordings I'm catching up I actually recorded some stuff while I was in Brighton which you're going to hear now and I've also done an episode with Griggs which I'll drop in the in the normal slot starting on Saturday so it's a belter as well fucking hell Griggs has made me laugh the boy is the gift that keeps giving so yeah, um, it's all back on track, guys. Don't worry about a goddamn thing. But also, um, don't ever go thinking that I'm not aware that I've got to look after you guys as much as you are looking after me, guys. Um, I'm very grateful for all the support. I'm grateful that anyone ever would pay any money to listen to me dicking around. And I also realise that in podcast, and this couldn't be better timed because it's true, it's it's relevant to my little hiatus, but it's also relevant because I've been to Brighton, the spiritual home of the mod and the well end. It's all come together. What you give is what you get. 
not important that you give me five pounds If you think that I'm taking the fucking piss If we communicate on my Patreon feed That will be enough No, 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 no Just doing my own echo So thank you all for making allowances For my mental health But I assure you I haven't forgotten That what you give is what you get Doesn't matter if you never subscribe again I'll survive by doing other things Nobody here owes me a living But it's nice that you're here, 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 here. <laughs> That's enough of that Yeah, right, you get, you get the idea Um, yeah, um yeah, I realise that what I will get out of Patreon is what I put into it. And, yeah, I know, like, you're all being really sweet and everything, but, you know, I, I know I've got to keep it up, and that's what I will do. Um, so thank you again. And also, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? That was a little bit of fun. I've been in a jam-style mood. I've had my mod playlist on since I've been in Brighton because... Um, they they started turning up. The mods started turning up when I was there, which you will hear in a minute. I basically did some recordings while I was in my room and various other places. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share them with you, even though it's a bit of a mixed bag with what's gone on with the audio. But I think that makes it feel live and documentary-ish. Tell me I'm wrong. So yeah, here's some bits of GSOH of uh, me on the road, mom on the road, in Brighton. G-S-O-H. You having that? So, yeah, I am coming. This is like the, my holiday roadshow. It's the summer roadshow. G-S-O-H is in Brighton. And I am sitting in my guest house um room with my little windows open and my little blinds and i've got my telly on mute and i have got a microphone and stuff with me but i'm not even going to use that i'm just talking into my phone this is gorilla this is gorilla content guys and you're gonna love it you're gonna hear cars going past you might you might hear a knock on the door where a little french lady will say can i make change to your bed and I'll say, no. Um, I'm going to let you into a couple of little secrets on my lovely little break in Brighton. Firstly, for those of you uh, who would have seen that I, you know, I basically needed a break. My head was fucked and I was tired and just exhausted with everything. Uh, this has been absolutely so, so good for me. And it has been lovely. I've got lots of friends down here. It's been sunny. I've been cycling about, you know, eating holiday food. And it's just been really cool. Uh, so the place and the place that I'm staying in, um, it's a very, it's a good quality place. It's a very nice room, like it's sort of old, a big old house type of a room. So, um, you know, nice big bay windows and all that. Little Russell Hobbs fridge to the left. <sighs> Bad mate. Mini kettle within its own beige plastic housing unit with 
um, tea bags, tiny cartons of milk, and uh, sugars and sweeteners. There is a clock on the wall, which very charmingly is printed on the back of a copper pan. And there is a big mirror so I can see how big and fat my tits and stomach are every time I stand up. Two plastic uh, hooks on the back of the door, one of which is owning its keep, holding up my big fluffy robe. Hey, but why do you need a big fluffy robe on in your little room, Uncle Nico? Mom, or whatever we're calling me these days. Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's because there isn't a fucking toilet in here, is there? No, there is a shared bathroom, something that I failed to take seriously, despite sort of saying that that was the case. I thought that the sort of the shower was going to be, you know, up the landing, but you would have like a little toilet and sink. That is not the case. So uh, as a a very prolific night weir, I've had that thing where as soon as your head hits the pillow, you're like, I'm going to have to fucking go upstairs with my key, put my fucking dressing gown on in case I see any strangers. And then I'd need a wee, and then it's like, oh, you're fucking joking, I've got to go all the way. And then you come back, and then because I'm my age and I've got a stupid bladder, then it's like, oh, yeah, you need to... You need to go again, mate. Can I just wake you up again, mate? Can we just go? And, oh, for fuck's sake. And you're tiptoeing around. You don't want to hear... You don't want people to hear your wee. Oh, God. And, like, when you go for a shower, you've got your own bath mat, right? Your own towel and all that. So you, you sort of... In, you're in the in the landing, basically, with your rolled-up towel and your dressing gown on. And, basically, it's like fucking rising damp from the 70s with uh, Leonard Rossiter and Thingy Beckinsdale, Richard Beckinsdale. God bless him. God bless him and his wonderful, funny, gorgeous daughter, Kate Beckinsdale. Hey, I'm here, babe. I'm here if you need me. Anyway, so first two nights, I'm lying in, I'm lying in the bed going, oh, you're fucking kidding. I like thinking, I can't let it ruin me all the day, but I've slightly angry that I have to have to deal with a, a sort of public scenario to go to the toilet and then I start thinking well have I got like anything I could piss in in the room which is horrible I admit it's horrible but it's like it's so draining having to run the gauntlet the wee wee gauntlet I was thinking I was looking at the bin and I was looking at the bin like oh hello you're Little watertight little slut, aren't you? Oh, dear. Oh, open your mouth. That's it. Open your mouth. Uh, I didn't wee in the bin, but I did let it sort of play on my mind a little bit for a couple of nights. And then on day three, I will admit to you that I uh, was passing a, a hardware store, which anyone who follows me on Instagram will see that I saw a few lush little bits Bought myself a new hammer because I've got a pathetic hammer at home. Bought myself a little uh, plug drain thing, which I, uh, has broken in my house. Just a few little bits and pieces to keep me going that collectively, as if you see the post, makes it look like I was planning 
a murder. But what I didn't put in the picture, because it would have it would have prompted questions I wasn't ready to answer, is I saw the opportunity. There was a range of different types of vessels that I could have in my room to do a secret wee in, so I don't have to leave the room. I wouldn't poo in it, I promise. I would, would never do an open poo like that. I wouldn't do that. Um, so I looked and there was like a bucket. There was a few Tupperware boxes, which was interesting because you can put a lid on it and no one, yeah, but that was just like, that's just awful sloshing about a bucket. It's too obvious in a way and I've already got a bucket at home. And I saw a lovely big dark green watering can and I thought, fuck yes. Took it off the shelf, held it at groin height and thought, this is brilliant because it's got a sturdy proper sturdy handle right across the, the whole structure and in, you can basically just hold it up like a like a lady holding a handbag up handbag up going and you can just um flap the um you know the concerned organs in into the thing hold it up and just relax and let it all happen now no one the, the genius of the of the watering can is this i can leave my room holding that and just go outside and pour it into the plants like i'm some sort of botanist hey eh? who's with me oh no no uh, mr nicholas there is no reason for you to uh, oh no 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 please i insist i insist these these flowers are lovely these flowers are lovely at the moment. They will, they may be dead in two days, but at the moment they're lovely, and I just like doing my bit, just like earning me keep. There you go. Oh, there! Look at that, like a little turd's come out. No, where's that come from? No, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't, and I wouldn't, and I didn't. Never ever think that about me. I'm actually quite poo-poo shy. Actually, you get people who are just like, and I wonder who we're talking about. Who do we know? As a, as a small community, who do we know that um, would loudly burp or sort of crudely fart or like shit on a floor and then laugh because that's what he's been taught by the rock music he listens to. Uh, that's not my style at all. I'm actually very ladylike, if anything. I really am. And... Um, I'm not, um, the toilet's no joke for me, shall we say. As an example of my poo-poo shy nature, um, <clears throat> I know that things should get relaxed in a relationship, but I am genuinely disgusted by interrelationship farting or um, open door pooing. Someone starts talking to you, going, "Yeah, I'm just on the." You no, know, when you go, where, where? Yeah, hey, but did you uh, get the? Uh, did you manage to get the? And you're like, "Where, where are you? I'm on the toilet. Why, why can I hear you? I've got the door open. Oh God, see you in court. I'm getting divorced. No, not for me. Not for me. <clears throat> I know my voice sounds a bit rough, but that's all part of it, isn't it? It's sort of uh i didn't even booze last night actually but i have 
I've hit the booze a little bit this week because there's loads of people here. I've got loads of friends here. I love it here. I reckon that Marm might move here in uh, at least maybe two years, maybe before. I doubt it. But yeah, it's fucking cool here, man. I want to live here and um, cycle around. I want to be part of it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, let's just say, for those of you that, that have listened to other episodes and you know that I live in a tiny village where there is nothing. <clears throat> Sorry for my voice. I, feel, I sound quite husky, don't I? But anyway, um, yeah, so compared to where I live, I mean, it's just like being in fucking Vegas. And obviously it doesn't, it doesn't all have to be busy beach bit, razzmatazz, discos, and sort of um, LGBTQ um, underpants shops. There is also a very fine line out here in chilled out little seaside cafes, quiet bits of beach, caravans, which for some reason I've got a massive boner for caravans at the moment, well, a medium-sized boner for caravans, perfectly normal, healthy male boner-sized boner for caravans. I think I might, I think I might actually get a caravan uh, before I move here. I might actually uh, use that as a as a as a, a method, shall we say, of getting away a bit more. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of things to love about Brighton. Um, when I was younger and came down here, it would be like the context would be, oh, we're all going to get fucking smashed. And also, there's that side of it that being being uh, a big uh, mod Oasis Beatles Manchester knoboid. Uh, it always appealed to me on the quadrophenia level, right? And that is still lightly in evidence, although as as we've as we've discovered, uh, as we've discussed before, there is um, <clears throat> you know. It's sort of at its day a little bit, that whole thing. I mean, maybe another cool band will come along that revive it for young people. But unless that happens, then at this point, that whole scene, that whole look, the scooters, the quadrophenia, the jam, all the rest of it, that now looks to be the preserve of people who are now getting into their 60s and 70s, which is which is an interesting look, I have to say. And this weekend actually is... Uh, there is a scooter weekend going on. So there I was yesterday, having shed my my mod past, cycling down the front, right, on down the, the well the road along the front, and then suddenly I was surrounded by proper fucking cool vintage bikes with impeccably dressed and I'm saying this seriously, impeccably dressed like super kind of fucking sartorial mods. And I mean, they were knocking on a bit and then so am I. And just for a minute, I was in the middle of all the bikes and I was like, oh God, this is the, oh, this is like, oh, I'm in the film. This is, oh, and I loved it. And I thought fucking great. And I still love that that's in Brighton. And that's just reminded me that the night before, I went for some beers with some friends and then went did, did the midnight walk looking for fried chicken and this leathered guy was on his own, bless his heart, ready for the mod 
weekend and the next day. Um, it'd be easy to call him a well-end. He didn't, he wasn't, he was, he was a bit of one, but he, he was a nice guy and he, he was pissed and he was all morose. And I was like, you all right there, mate? Do you mind if I sit with you while we eat our chicken on a bench? And he started telling me how he's in the scene and his girlfriend was in the scene and then they split up and she, he's a bit broken hearted and she was, uh, she was difficult and now she's got a new boyfriend in the scene and he's still follows the scene, but he's going to have to see her. Someone's smashing some bottles outside. Someone's doing recycling. <laughs> Chess whistles. Yeah. So this poor hangdog, pissed, broken hearted mod bloke was dreading the next day because his girlfriend is now with effectively she's Toya Wilcox and is now with Sting or, or uh, Leslie Ash and is now with the Sting of the group. I'm going to shut the window. This is just proof that you're getting the live and direct holiday experience. And I hope it's all the better for it. I'm like, this is edgy. This is edgy. Can't wait for the messages of support this week. This is edgy, real, real-time, no-nonsense content. This is art, you're going to say. Well done for sitting up with a hangover in bed, creating visceral content. Anyway, so, yesterday I'm cycling about. More of them are arriving. More of them will be arriving today because it's Saturday. There's loads of them, and it was they're all congregating like sort of old well-end pigeons around a couple of cafes near the pier. And you absolutely could, lots of people would and will and do take the piss because there it is, you know, it's quite crazy seeing any group of people who all follow a fashion rule when they when you see them all together, it's a bit mad, but it's even madder when uh, nearly everyone doing it is 55 plus. And I have to say there was a few people who weren't that old and it has to be said that they sort of look, did look the coolest because obviously if you're, trying, you're dressing like bands from 1964, they none of them had 58-year-old fat skinheads in them. Do you know what I mean? With a long parka or like... A wife who is has got them re really really long skinheady, like short hair, like suede head, but then really long on the sides, like this is England. It basically looked like a audition for This Is England, right? The original film, but starring the um, passengers off a cruise ship. But I loved it. I walked around, I mooched around. I'm going to put a couple of little video clips up after the event. I fucking loved it. The music was on, the soul, the soul's playing. To be fair, they've got fucking good taste in music and scooters. It's just, once you get old, the mod look, it's challenging to the body shape. But anyway, it still felt an affinity. I still thought a bit of me. I, what I actually was thinking when I was wandering amongst them, right, is I was thinking, I gave up on you. I gave up on you guys. And you would be right to gang up on me like I'm a rocker and kick my head in. I left you behind. 
and I still love this music and I still love this fashion. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I mean, while I'm doing this, by the way, I was in a Hawaiian shirt, a bicycle helmet, and large over over glasses, over shades that are like cataract glasses. That's also on my Instagram if you want to find that. Basically look like science lab safety specs. And I'm looking around. It felt quite brave, actually, in the middle of them all. Yeah, like I could have taken them down. Like, I know this is, um, maybe it's too poor timing to make a, a suicide bomb joke because of Kabul, but my version's gentle. With my little Hawaiian shirt with flamingos on it, it's like I could just, like, detonate my shirt and cover everyone in um, Hawaiian holiday clothes. They'd all be going, oh, no, we're not mods anymore. We're, we're more like rockabillies now. Right, for some reason, the audio the next time I spoke into my phone, because all I was doing there was speaking to my phone, the audio came out really clear. So maybe it was because I had my AirPods on. Lesson learned, AirPods, not great for podcasting. Uh, Don't know why that happened, but this next batch of stuff just sounds better. Anyway, that was exciting, wasn't it? It was like I was far away calling in on some, like, fucking news program or whatever. Okay, so while I've been here, it's been a very cheering experience. And the main reason for that is because, as we know, I live in my little Smurf village where I don't really know anybody. And I've gone down to Brighton and I've written a list of people to give a ring that I know live there and have a pint. And it is in the double figures. Let's say, I was going to say dozens, could comfortably maybe be a couple of dozen people that I'm mates with down there. And it was fucking awesome. And of course, when, because I was feeling awful the week before, the two weeks before, um, nothing sorts you out like hanging out with people that you like, right? And, and also takes your mind off whatever shit you've been thinking about when you've been on your own too long. So... In the spirit of, um, you know, sharing and openly discussing mental health issues, I have to say, friends are the answer. And not just in that kind of like licking your wounds, supportive, talking about whatever issue, getting it off your chest. All that is actually really important. Again, you know, especially... Especially, I think it's obviously more men that struggle to talk about whatever's been not feeling great. I don't have that problem. I'm basically like that weirdo that stands next to the bus driver talking for the entire journey. I'm still doing this bit on my phone, by the way. I think it's just got a gorilla feel about it. I'll go back to proper, like, on the microphone produced and whatever when I do the Griggs episode on Tuesday morning so yeah Griggs is coming at you soon um yeah so I saw loads of mates and the good thing about Brighton is Brighton and Hove I've fallen in love with Hove is 
you can just cycle up and down the front on a normal bike path, a proper bike path. No lorries turning into you and all that shit. Yeah, just fucking buzzing about all week, having... Hey, you want some fish tacos? Yeah, sure I do, Vicky. Bring your kids. Hey, kids, look, I'm that weird uncle guy. That fingered your mum years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, you want a pint later on? Hey, sure I do, George. Hey, this is my friend George. I fingered him years ago. (laughs) Lovely little fingering joke there. Oh, it's so cheap, isn't it? But yeah, loads of mates and all giving me a little insight into the different bits of Brighton and Hove in the coast. Our Terry, Terry Minot, took me for a lovely drive, like a nana. And we went up, we went up to see where all the people jump off the cliffs. And then we went up to see where all where the old people live in Eastbourne. And we had a Coke Zero and a lovely chinniwag. And talked about the bitter disappointments of television entertainment careers. Terry will be coming on soon. But yeah, he's been a a legend. Got me round for breakfast. Met his cats. All of that stuff. And um, yeah, it's a pretty fucking buzzing place, man. I think Marmon might end up living there, but it won't be for a while. Anyway, so I meet all these lovely friends some of whom, a lot of whom work in comedy. There's a lot of a lot of comedy people in Brighton. Um, to give you a brief sort of guide to the handful of people I already saw this week, just from the uh, world of comedy, I bumped into Joe Wilkinson, who is um, from 8 Out of 10 Cats and... Afterlife and... Oh, what's this thing called that he does with David Earl? The Cockfields? I want to say the Cockfields. Very talented boy, been at it years. Lovely guy. We sat down, bumped into each other on the front, had a sit-down on a park bench, looking at the sea, chatting away, and then some bloke comes jogging along, recognises Joe, and does that thing where he just starts talking to him. And he started talking to him about Sean Locke, who obviously Joe was mates with. And it was quite awkward. I mean, the guy was only being nice, but it was a bit like, yeah, you should probably just jog on, pal, which you can say to a jogger without sounding like um, Danny Dyer. It's the one situation where you can say, jog on, mate. Jog on, you mug. Anyway, he was only being friendly, but I felt for Joe because he obviously has been uh, fucking reeling from the blow of his mate going. And then some bloke just starts asking loads of questions and just, like, reaching for things to say in that kind of slightly weird way. It's like, you don't have to say anything. And also, you've not got a top on, mate. You know, you've actually had a very good body, which was... I felt quite confused, because part of me was thinking, hey, come on, mate, this is a bit inappropriate, but at the same time I was thinking, fuck, how how much would I have to jog to look like you? You're you're amazing. But that's life. It's confusing. 
of all the friends I met this week, one oh yeah, I was telling you who I met. Uh, Joe Wilkinson, and this isn't name dropping because you won't have heard of most of them. Lad called George Sawyer, who used to work with Larry Rickard, who I also had a pint with. Larry's one of the gang from Ghosts, um, Horrible Histories, Yonderland, etc. Dave Lamb, who I really got on with, who is uh, he was actually in the first series of Armstrong and Miller on Channel Four, and now he's the bloody voice of Come Dine with Me. And a writer pal, Dan Mayer. There's fucking loads of people down there. My mate John Jennings, who I missed, who's ended up producing fucking Sex Education, which is a belting Netflix show. Not everyone likes it because it has this transatlantic sensibility, but I fucking love it. It's basically steeped in John Hughes' um, visual language. Fucking brilliant performances in it. Really good writing, really young... Um, I don't know how old she is now, but the writer and the creator was basically quite a young girl writing really fucking maturely about the crazy modern world of uh, teenage sex and also middle-aged sex, which how does she even know about that? Hey, what are you, some kind of multi-age, mega-dimensional genius lady? Chill out. Why can't you take years to achieve things like me? Don't achieve things straight away at the age of 19 or whatever you are. Fuck's sake. Give give the old white guys a chance. I've only been trying to crack this thing for 20 fucking years. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, I also met my friend Ali Crockett, who is a writer. I would get him on here, but he's... He just acts too cool. He'd just be like, yeah, whatever, man. He's a, another jaded w white man that we could get on here. Yeah, so Ali is um, a writer of some repute. Harry Enfield, fucking Armstrong and Miller, various things with, like, Dave Gorman and people like that, like, quiz showy, formatty. Would you rather, I think, one of them was? Oh, I can't remember. Who cares? Who fucking cares? The point being, he brought with him his daughter, who I hadn't seen since she was two. Or six. One of the two. And his little boy, who I didn't even know existed, who was about six, and who just fucking immediately launched into being super confident and chatty and was dead cool and cute and looked like a little Luke Skywalker... And he reminded me of the kid that me and Matt were talking about on that episode the other week where the kid come on the Beans advert comes back and he's like, pretty exhausting, really? Yeah, all right, mate, I've never met you before, but I'm just going to really just, yeah, just talk about things the whole time, yeah. Yeah, because I've got a game at home and if you plug it in, like, the thing is, if you press X and then you do that, that's how you shoot. But if you go backwards, then that's how that happens and blah, blah, blah. And he just fucking took off and talked to me non-stop for an hour. And I fucking loved it. I fucking love kids. I'm quite... It's weird because I don't want any more kids because it's fucking knackering. But they are fucking brilliant. Anyway... With his, uh, with his folks' permission, I did record a little snippet of him when he was just fucking banging on as we walked up the street. Check this fucking little genius out. Hey, 
Scary or scabby? It's actually pretty scary. It's like oh, right. Jake's like not on Roblox. They didn't message him. They just messaged him like normal. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. What's your favourite game then? Um, probably um, that I've ever played is probably this golf game called oh. Golf Clash. Golf Clash. You get like different. You've got quite grown-up taste, you. You get golfing and golf. And you get and you. And my uncle plays it, and then you get like yeah. you get different balls in it. Oh yeah, like better balls. <laughs> How cute is he? Pretty exhausting, really. I just like playing games. Yeah, it's stupid, but it's weird in a way. Yeah, just don't. I've never even met you before. I'm just talking to you. Lovely. That's what you go away for. That's why you go and meet your mates. You meet their kids. You see some other stuff. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Here's some more stuff. The audio is sounding different, different times I'm pressing record. Just fucking go with it, guys. This is this is punk podcasting. This is this is a magazine show. We're on the move. I'll be honest with you, I'm home now. I drove home yesterday and I saw a glimpse of my dream because I saw on the motorway on the way home. I saw a sort of four by four truck pulling an um a sort of graphics bedecked um airstream caravan that was promoting a sort of podcast roadshow business idea and i've seen a couple of examples of this it's my absolute dream to turn even though you sort of don't have to travel to do a podcast i would love to have a fucking airstream caravan and just go, hey, yeah, I'll come up, we'll hang out. We'll do a podcast in my cool caravan. I'll sleep I'll sleep there. Maybe take in some waifs and strays. <laughs> or small animals. But yeah, fucking Airstream on the road. Little studio. Visiting people, doing music, doing podcast, doing a gig, getting booked for festivals, food festivals, you know, not not proper festivals, like the kind of like Birkenstock and fucking Peruvian rap festivals, you know what I mean. You know what I fucking mean. Not these fucking music festivals where everyone's wearing fucking day-close sunglasses and watching all these bands I've never even heard of. I'm not going to get booked for that. I'm not under any illusion I'm going to get booked for that. I'm talking about little fairs and festivals that are like more like in your local park and things. You go, oh, look at that. That bloke, he's got himself a Hawaiian shirt and a quiff and he's singing all these pretty little songs. Oh, look at your caravan, mate. Is that just a gimmick, is it? And then I will say, uh, no, um, it's a business idea uh, that I had whereby my podcasting and my musical... Um, you know, um, not ambitions, they're fucking not ambitions, are they? Busking in a field for strangers eating hot dogs. Um, no, no, it's not a gimmick. This is this is my travelling business home. That's what that would be. I've been looking online, actually. Has anyone, does anyone on here own 
or maintain any form of caravan. I want to talk about it, if that's the case. I'm fucking... I'm finding myself deeply interested in the caravan world. And I think what I might do is next time there's like a caravan expo somewhere in the country, I can't fucking resist. I'm going to have to go and have a mooch because I'm imagining myself on the open road, you know, jibbing about, visiting different people and places, being able to take off, rack up somewhere quite cheap, stay for as long or as short as you want and then fuck off. I quite like that instead of having to, like, book hotels and shit. But then saying that, you sort of think, hey, that's really clever because, you know, you don't have to pay for a hotel. But it's like, yeah, but how often have you got to take this fucking thing with you to recoup the cost of spending several thousand pounds on a on a sort of house car? Not quite got my head around it, but there's something about it that I think is really romantic. Especially, like, so there's, there's a bit in Brighton called, um, oh, fucking, what's it called? Madeira Drive. So after the pier and all that, out towards the, um, uh, the east? So, like, towards, like, the fucking hell, what is wrong with me today? I'm quite tired, guys, sorry. Towards the marina and stuff, there's, like, this really long road which suddenly just goes all a bit quiet and there's a few little quiet, lovely beach bars up there where which is um where you could you can do stuff like volleyball and you know there's like little beach sports things and yoga huts and stuff and there's just fucking caravans parked up like on the road right next to the beach and apparently sort of it's a bit dodgy those parking spaces are actually for coaches and buses and theoretically you're supposed to pay to park there but once you get up the top there's quite a lot of spaces where people just pull up and I did ask a couple of people like do you uh, have to like book to park here do you pay and they're just like nah no one really bothers because they quite like you know having the uh, having the people there and also someone said to me and this can't be true said how do you how do you uh, put a ticket on a caravan hey what's the address what's the address for a caravan because it's like a magical floating house I just thought, well, that's bollocks, isn't it? Because surely it's got a fucking a registration plate like anything else on the road. So that confused me a bit, but the people who said it were sure that they'd hacked the system and were off-grid and invisible to the to the police who have a sort of sort of uh, quiet, sort of unofficial respect for them and like might occasionally say, you're going to have to move on. Yeah, I could. I don't think I want to live. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to live like that, like a sort of sleeveless t-shirt, dreadlocked, you know, circus trousers person with a dog on a string, like swampy. But um, I can also see the the romance in it. And there was a guy the last time I went, who uh, was basically like someone out of Woodstock, and all or he had like furniture on like the back of a truck like, on a sort of platform. And he had, like, basically had a furry table. And he was, like... He looked like one like a raver who's never gone home from, like, the 80s, late 80s. 
and he's still at it and he was just lying there smoking weed in leather trousers with like leopard skin fucking shit all around him and it was pretty fucking cool he'd made a sort of gypsy caravan but it looked like a sort of revamped sort of prison van or something it was like yeah mate you do you that looks like quite the lifestyle Hey, mate, do you pay council tax here? Hey, fuck you, man. I've never paid council tax in my life, you know? I've just been travelling around all this time. Uh, since the, uh, the, uh, the poll tax riots and the, uh, the fucking, what was it called? The public fucking rave bill, whatever, that everyone had riots about when the prodigy was playing and everything like this, you know? And I've just been driving around since then on my own. I've had so many drugs, don't even know what fucking you is actually now. So that was that guy. I thought, I love him, but I don't want to be him. He smelt very strongly of patchouli oil. And I think we all know that patchouli oil, the choice to wear a lot of patchouli oil, knowing what it smells like, that's a weird choice People know that that is this, the smell that identifies a certain part of our culture, right? And I can only guess that the people who do that are covering up the smell of their unwashed bum. That's my theory on patchouli oil. It's basically a, um, a bum deodorant. Am I right? Am I wrong? Does anyone out there use patchouli oil? If so, why? It's not an unpleasant smell. It just feels like, you know, maybe a dab behind the ear. Don't just smear it all over your bloody anus pipe. Where's that going to get you? I just wanted to say a little bit more about um, the mods. Um... I really, really loved seeing them all on the scooters. I really did. And it's so bright. And and I was wondering about them as I was driving off. I was thinking, how long will that keep going? Will that just will it just stop? Because most of them are literally, like I said, they're getting old. They're like... Mm, mm, the bulk of them are late 50s, maybe maybe pushing 60. Some of them are older than that. Are they just going to die out? Because the love of those bands still exists. And it's still passed down through the love of bands. You know, for example, I mean, in my... my, I was going to say my generation, not meaning the fucking who, but, you know, growing up with The Roses and then Oasis, I was aware of The Jam, but really it was Oasis made me aware of the bands before them. Like So The Jam, The Who, Back to the Beatles and The Stones and so on. So there's always going to be bands coming along that 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 find that thread. So there's always every now and again someone's going to come up where you revive that British rock and roll sound to a point. I mean, how long was it keep going? And then I was wondering because they, I know people are looking at them thinking they look like an oddity. I'm not going to say they look ridiculous. Some people say, ah, oh, they look fucking ridiculous. I sent some pictures to a mate and he was just weighing into him. But I was just thinking, you know, but, you know, fucking hell, man. Like, youth, cult- youth cultures, you know, of yesteryear, punks, fucking skins, um, 
suededs, alternatives, goths, whatever. It's like, these are fucking great, important little markers of our culture. I think I think we shouldn't be harsh about it. I think we should be nostalgic about it and, and respectful of it. If someone loved something, you know, you know, you, I know it's much rarer, but say, you know, there are like rockabillies everywhere. And I think rockabillies kind of, that look is a bit more timeless, he says, because he got a quiff and some Hawaiian shirts. But, you know, they have like the turned up jeans, the big turn ups, a little chain on the jeans and all that. And it's very obviously being of an era, but I think it also looks timeless and really fucking cool. But um, how long does it keep going? And my my opinion is, I want the mod thing to keep going somehow so that even in another 40 years you would see there'd be a day where the scooters arrive and the people are in those clothes and whatever. And when you think about it, once that's kind of like the real people who do that have died out, it might become almost like when you do like a sort of Notting Hill Carnival type occasion or a, or a Lord's Mayor show and all these groups of people going back hundreds of years, come out in, like, all sorts of historical outfits and representing, like, different kind of, like, hobbies and interests and, like, you've got, like, dancers and you've got the pearly kings and queens and you've got fucking Morris dancers and stuff like that. I think I think mod, mod belongs up there in the long run with the Morris dancer, the pearly king and queen, the beef eater... You know, what else have you got that's like, you know, the the bowler-hatted fucking British um, man with a, you know, an umbrella and a, and a bowler hat and a suit. There's certain British looks that I think are really important to our, to our history. And you've got to be careful. Don't mock them out of existence. I mean, the actual clothes that some of the guys were wearing and the women... You know, there's a level of uh, obsession goes into it. Not just a Fred Perry T-shirt, but the... You know, have the trousers slightly taken up and a little kick to the bottom of them and just the quality. You know, if you've... if you Any quality outfit, all, all brand new, fucking immaculate shoes. This guy had these really cool fucking leather driving gloves. His bike was cool, his helmet was cool. He looked the fucking part. So, I salute you, mods. Clacton and scores of other places in Britain congratulated themselves that this was the outstanding bank holiday weekend for several years. Hot without being sweltering, so that millions were able to feel they hadn't a care in the world. There was just one thing casting a slight cloud over Clacton. The possibility that the mods and rockers might once again descend on the town. Any who did sensed that the police would be more than ready for them. Clacton had no intention of being a battleground again. It really has come to something when people can't take a short holiday without the threat of long-haired youngsters with knives indulging in an orgy of hooliganism. Fortunately, the kiddies knew nothing about it and had a wonderful time. But here's the other thought, right? How come that's lasted, but the rockers don't fucking turn up? I'm not saying they should still be all fighting each other, although when you think about it, it'd probably be sort of inevitable. If the fucking rockers 
who were also in their 60s and 70s, started or had continued to turn up on the same day every year, you'd basically have, like, a big fucking geriatric fucking fight, wouldn't you? St John's Ambulance fucking running everywhere, trying to give people fucking vitamins and Horlicks to to wake them up. But but for some reason, the Rockers are fucking nowhere to be seen. Where have they fucking gone? So I think we can all... We can all uh, it's very clear who won that, right? Who won the battle and who won the war, yeah? Where are you, Rockers, you fucking mugs? You didn't even show in 2021. You fucking mugs, you fucking cowards. You ain't even fucking turned up since fucking 1966. Where are they? There must still be people that like motorbikes, like that scene. Fucking melted away, it didn't stick. Didn't stick because they were fucking... dirty, greasy bastards, that's what happened. Can you Can you even tell me what music they liked? I fucking can't. There's actually a really, really brilliant documentary about the rockers um, that was made at the time. And obviously, sort of doc- social documentaries are very new. I'm going to go and have a look what that was called and come back. Here's a little break. Behind the Ton Up Boys. With a fine weekend, a powerful motorbike and a girlfriend on the back, the Ton Up Boys set off. Two short days for riding high and fast, to wind and weave, and often to be a menace. You dirty, you dirty rocker cunt. You're dirty. Here, what you doing with that big dirty motorbike? What's wrong with you? Do you want to have a fucking wash, mate? Do you want a fucking... You want a bit? I'll fucking smash your head in you. OK, OK, it's uh, proper me again on my microphone properly. You're all over the map here. One minute you're getting into the phone and then you're getting little documentary bits... Then I'm sat behind the mic. It's multimedia, guys. It's called texture. Enjoy it. Um, right, so I had a look around. The one that I'm looking for, I'm almost certain, the documentary I'm looking for, is on a DVD I've got about the London, London in the 60s, and I'm going to find that and actually watch it properly. Right now on YouTube, not not that much there. There's a fair bit of stuff about mods and rockers, but there there was there was one made called Mods, Rockers, and Bank Holiday Mayhem BBC documentary, and there's also a bit of stuff about a cafe. What's it called? Is it Ace Cafe? There is a thing, uh, Ace Cafe. There is a BBC documentary about the glory days of British motorbikes. And there's a bit of the footage from the documentary I reckon I've got cut into the BBC one, but I've got the original. I'm going to find it. 
so that this is a better anecdote. But basically, if you get if you're getting a little wormhole of looking at mods and rockers online, it's the black and white footage of London lads who were part of the Ton Up gang or whatever they were called, the Ton Up Club crew, whatever. They were the they were the ones that got a little name for themselves on the telly. So, and it's funny actually because I watched a bit of an interview with one of them and they were going, "How did uh, you know? How did it all pan out?" And when you think, when you consider how it's still celebrated and there's still people turning up to to Brighton on the scooters and the outfits and the music, and then you've had Quadrophenia and all those things that have elongated a little moment in British culture. And it's it is weird that the uh, maybe maybe part of the reason the rockers aren't still around is there sort of wasn't a film from their point of view, you know, Quadrophenia and the jam and mod cultures sort of like carried on respawning, but that's not the case with uh, you know music and motorbikes apart from like Hell's Angels kind of level shit, which is a whole other brilliant world of documentary that we'll get into another time. Um, the the old rocker guys just you know being interviewed and it's going it's kind of on the wane by nineteen sixty six it's not like this fucking went on for years sixty four is the big one and then by sixty six this geezer was saying you know one minute he's talking about oh we had to make sure we were down there and like you know jump in and defend other rockers and just make sure you represented and all that and got got a bit of a paste in here and there and we you know they were just fucking right into it. Two two years later, he's going, oh, um, well, you know, like, I had a baby and that, and then, uh, yeah, I was working as a, as an engine fitter, and then uh, I took a job at wherever, and then, and that was it. Like, he didn't fucking go out and do that anymore, simply because he had responsibilities and they didn't have any money. And, they, and these are people who were in their fucking mid-twenties, having to stop having to stop having fun and jumping about. And that's how young people had to fucking stop being young then. And that makes a lot of sense when I think growing up 80s, 90s, I think even then you sort of looked at people in their 30s had fucking sort of given it up a bit. Nowadays, fucking knobheads like myself are still walking around fucking socialising in places where there's young people. I mean, I don't go clubbing and stuff like that, obviously, but... People stay younger, longer, or at least try to hang on to being able... Like, festivals is the best example, isn't it? Fucking all ages at festivals. That would not have been the case in the 60s. You went mental following a tribe, and then you fucking got your head down. Uh, and I just think that's worthy of note. Um, so, yeah, I salute you, mods. And, and do you know what? I fucking salute the rockers, because they're all just human beings... At the end of the day, aren't we? Even though they're not as good. Well, I think I've fucking witted on enough about my little week in Brighton. It's good to be back. It's even better to be able to say to you, I have recorded a fucking cracking episode with Mr. Alistair Griggs. I've got plenty of other people lined up for you. Um, what day is it now? It's Tuesday. I, wish, I should hope I will have dropped this one this evening, Tuesday. I'm going to have a quick listen back to it. And you'll get your Griggs episode on Saturday. And then Mom will be right back with you.
until the next time I have some sort of breakdown. But for now, here's a little recap of the things that entertained me during my week in Brighton. A guest house without a toilet Fish and chips with Korean hot sauce on Making friends with a dog that's got a shirt on Having brunch with a girl I once fingered That's mum in Brighton That's mum in Brighton Cycling round near a bloody little railway Sitting down to watch people playing volleyball Looking at the pier but not going on it Getting drunk more than I thought I really should That's mum in Brighton That's mum in Brighton See you next time. Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I- I'm, I'm one. <laughs>